Who are you? Is it what people have labeled you? Real Life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelists Han and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you will hear from Cody Bates, who was on our previous show, who was labeled as a sociopath, criminal, and a drug addict, and felt like he wanted to end his life because he felt so worthless until he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I think that labels really affect people. I mean, it's very obvious just when we look at people who are bullied at school, the way people feel about themselves. And as for me personally, I really took people's words to heart. Mm. So whether they were good or bad, I went by that. And I remember even in a good way, but it was a bad way, I had a friend who told me, you know, Kathleen, there are dreamers and dream makers, and you're just a dreamer. And that affected me, just that sentence. And I'm like, oh no, I'm going to show you I'm not. (laughs) And so the things people say to us or the labels we get, maybe at doctors or wherever, can wear on us and make us think, this is how I am. This is how I'll always be. And it's not always good. Yeah. Well, labels can really affect a person in their identity Mm -hmm. because people often can turn to the labels that others give them. As who they are. Yeah. And people say, well, who are you? I say, oh, well, you know, my doctor said I was diagnosed with this. That's who I am. Mm. But no, that might be something you're going through, but that's not who you are. Yep. And the secret to not letting other people's labels hit you mm-hmm. is really knowing who you are. Yeah. How does one get to know who they truly are? Mm-hmm. And how does someone get a different label? The Bible says that when we receive Christ, he gives us the right to become the children of God. Yeah. And that's a label. But that's a wonderful label that supersedes any label that we can be given by anybody on this earth. And so powerful. When you start to read the Bible and you learn who you are in God, all the other bad labels diminish. Let's hear from Cody Bates after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Hello, everyone. And joining us once again is Cody Bates, who was a convicted killer, notorious gangster, who was diagnosed a sociopath and drug addict. He also became a very high top dog gangster, but also drug dealer and Mm -hmm. tried to support his habit of cocaine, but really just wanted to die. After he went to prison for taking the life of someone, he was diagnosed then as a sociopath. And really, he said it was just rejection. He felt rejection his whole life. Let's welcome to the show. Cody, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, I understand that you were taking about $1,500 a day worth of cocaine, and really, you just wanted to die. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I can. As a part of my life, you know, it started off not that much, but my tolerance level just got more and more and more. At the beginning, you know, it was about parties, it was about girls, it was about bars, it was about spending money, it was about limousines. And, you know, and as my habit progressed and I started going days without sleep, I slowly lost the ability to see the beauty in life at all. Like, I didn't care about going to parties. I didn't care about old friends. I didn't care about good food. I didn't care about good weather. I didn't care about my family. The only thing that mattered to me was the cocaine I was doing. They 
just provided me that little bit of relief and it was always temporary and it felt like I was always chasing it. But that's why I trafficked cocaine in the large scale is because in that way I never ran out. So yeah, so I quickly got to doing about $1,500 worth a day and only sleeping every six days. Wow. And you really just started to feel like wanting to die, but you say death would not take you. You tried several different ways to take your life. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know what? I hated coming down. Cocaine's just such a painful drug to detox from, just as all drugs are. But, you know, with my personal experience, it was just excruciating. I wanted to die. And, man, I would fill up needles full of bleach, put them into my veins. Oh, I remember sitting in a car with a tube going from the exhaust into the car. I sat in there for an hour and a half, revving the engine. And, you know, I'm sitting there Googling, and it said I should be dead in 20 minutes. And I obviously wasn't dead. Like, these weren't cries for help. I absolutely wanted to die Mm. in every sense of the word. Wow. And you even had three heart attacks where you literally did die, but they resuscitated you. The heart attacks were because of the cocaine. And you were told that you would die within six months. And instead of being upset, you couldn't wait. Yeah. When I got told I was going to die, relief set in. But again, like it wouldn't take me. I ended up surviving the whole six months. And one physician was telling me the amount of cocaine I'm doing is possibly what's even keeping my heart beating. Wow. You know, so it's finally get the promise of death only to be told that what's killing me is also keeping me alive. Oh so I was at a jumping off base with nowhere to jump. Police wouldn't detain me because I had a do not detain. Like they invested money and taken down my drug operation. So they're waiting on the good bus. So they didn't want to take me down on something petty and waste all the tax dollars. So the police wouldn't detain me. Death wouldn't take me. Treatment centers wouldn't touch me. Half of them because they weren't medically staffed to take me because of my heart. And the other half wouldn't take me because I had a homicide charge on my record. So I would have taken death, jail, or treatment. But I was at a jumping off place with nowhere to go. Oh, my gosh. But then you tried to take your life with a knife. You were just like, this is the final blow. You stabbed yourself with a knife into your wrist. And you knew that if you cut the main vein, you would be dead. And something happened to you. Yeah, I remember going downstairs, getting the knife and coming back up and closing my door and sitting down on my bed and thinking that that is the last time I'm going to use my legs. And as I'm cutting my wrists, I'm looking at pictures of my little boy, Dominic, and not to try and stop myself, but because I was thinking, like, let this be the one good thing you do for your son. Mm -hmm. I thought my son deserves not to know me. You know, he deserved more than me. And so as I'm cutting my wrist, I remember getting the knife deep in and knowing it was deep enough. And right as I was about to pull it back, when all hell was raining down against me, all of a sudden I started feeling things that I've never felt before in my entire life. First, it was like the melon in my gut just disappeared. I started being filled with benevolence, with joy, with peace. In the most perverse moment of my life, I'm sitting on the floor, heaving with emotions I've never felt before. And the words were repeating, it's over, it's over. Your suffering's come to an end. And I've never been to church. I've never read the Bible. But I knew that Jesus Christ was talking to me. And it wasn't like an audible window shaking or anything like that. It was in my heart. Your suffering has come to an end. And I knew it wasn't me because in that moment, I was not capable of thinking that it could be over. I had lived 31 years of 
living in shame and guilt and hurt and pain. And in that moment, all those things were gone. Up to that point, I was a convicted killer. I was a diagnosed sociopath. I was a gang member. I was a drug dealer. All that stuff was my identity before. For the first time in my life, my identity was crystal clear to me. I was exactly who Jesus created me to be. My identity was wrapped up in him. And my addiction was gone. I got up off the floor. I knew instinctively to take off all my jewelry. I killed thousands of dollars off. I threw it on the floor. I walked downstairs. I had a laptop case that had about 35 phones in it that had customers built up over the years on them, just throwaway phones. But there was about 4,500 customers on all of them. And I put them into a bucket of water. I mean, and I walked out of that house. And I didn't take anything with me. I didn't take my clothes. I didn't take my furniture. I didn't take anything. Mm. I walked out of that house and I didn't look back. Wow. And that day you felt the love of God change your life in the very moment. Your life really did die. The old you died and the new you came. And he took you from the deepest, darkest pit and totally changed your life. And you called out after that. You started serving the Lord and he completely radically changed your life. You knew it was Jesus speaking to you. And you knew it was God and you believed and no one else came to rescue you, but he came in your deepest, darkest pit. With perfect timing, like five seconds later, would have been too late. His strength was made perfect in my most vulnerable weakness. And there are people listening now that are saying, what about me? You know, will he come to me? Do I have to get to that point? I don't think people have to get to that point. If they look up and they call out, Tell me something encouraging for those who are listening. What would you say to someone who's done things you've done and maybe worse or maybe not as bad, but feel horrible? What I want to say is just that, you know, God's timing is working perfect. You are meant to be listening to this right now. You know, and I wasn't saved in a church or in an altar. God met me on my floor with a knife in my wrist when I didn't even know who he was. So my encouragement for you is to invite Jesus in. And for someone that's thinking of somebody as they're listening to this, never stop praying. You know, God's timing is working perfectly. And he wants all of his last sheep, man. I'm like, I'm not special at all. I can't stress that enough. (laughs) But you're meant to be listening to this. This is the Lord speaking to you right now. Amen. Wow. So powerful, Cody. And you're completely set free. And we're going to pray for those who have been diagnosed with different things that Jesus will set them free, meet them where they're at, because it is a spiritual battle for their soul. God bless you, Cody. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Well, you are hearing a real life testimony of someone who was a sociopath, convicted killer, gang member. And is there hope? There is hope. And for all who are listening and saying, gosh, is there hope for my life? Is this Jesus really going to be the one to change my life? He is my friend. Mm -hmm. And he is right there where you are. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus, for someone who's listening right now and saying, I need this Jesus, Jesus, we call out to you. We invite you to come into our lives. We thank you that you accept us. 
yes. and that you change us from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Give someone who's listening the power of that feeling of love, mm-hmm. peace, and joy, and compassion. Jesus, we ask for you to come in as we follow you all the days of our life. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yet while you were sinners, Jesus died for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life.